Today's scripture reading is Psalm 100. It happens that was Brenda's, one of Brenda's favorite psalms, and it gives me great pleasure and comfort to read it for you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jim. Friends, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, that you don't just leave us with an awareness of your existence, but you tell us specifically how much you care for us. And you give us reason to give you thanks. And so, Father, would you help us to be a thankful people, changed by your gospel, resting in your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's an old commercial that many of you know, and as soon as I sing the tune, you're immediately going to think of it. I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid, a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. Do you remember that commercial? I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. That's right. That's it. It's a commercial of the 80s. It was epic, and it reminded us of the importance of not growing up too quick. You need a refresher? Let's let them remind us of what it was like. Isn't that a great commercial? Oh, we love that. It was epic in the 80s. It, like, it convinced everybody in America not to grow up too fast. And I don't want to grow up too fast. Like, I want to I keep that childlike um, imagination and creativity and wonder. Don't you? One of the most fascinating studies that has been done recently is that they have compiled the data that they have taken, taken since the 1970s, a generational study that's been done that says that today it is actually taking people longer to grow up. It's called delayed adolescence. That today, the studies have shown that since the 1970s, today's 25-year-olds compared to their parents' generation at the same age are twice as likely to still be students, are 
half as likely to be married are 50% more likely to still be receiving financial aid from their parents. Now, I'm not really that interested in the emotional and the professional and um, um, in the, you know, the, the, uh, the married aspect of American life. But I do wonder if that is true of us emotionally and professionally, if that's true of us also financially, could this also be true of us spiritually? And I'm just asking the question, and I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist, so I actually don't have data to give you, so I'm not going to give you another study. But what I do have for you, and what Jim just read for you, is the remedy. The remedy for our, if you will, spiritual adolescence. The way to grow up, the way to grow up in the best of ways that you and I need to grow up, spiritually speaking, is through one very simple thing. It begins, the psalmist argues, with one very simple thing, and that is by being a thankful person. The word praise in Hebrew literally means to shoot up. It means to grow. And here we've been commanded to praise and to thank God. We've been commanded to grow up in the best of senses. Do you want to grow up? Grow up by giving thanks. And this psalm gives us two reasons to thank God. Now, I don't know all of your situations. I know a lot of you very well. But I couldn't possibly know everything that's going on in your life. Nor do you know everything that's going on in mine. And we really don't need to go into those details because every single one of us have two things we ought to be giving thanks for. And it's in this psalm. In verse 3, it says, give thanks to God for being God. And verse 5, it says, give thanks to God because he's good. Thank God for being God and thank God for being good. Amen? Let's look at those two things together in a few moments that we have together. First, thank God for being God. Know that the Lord, verse 3, he is God. God does not hide himself from us. God wants you to know him. And it continues, it is he who made us and we are his. The God of scripture is the Lord who made heaven and earth. He shows us that in creation itself. You know, in Romans 1, it says that he leaves no man or woman or child without excuse because he has given us what theologians have called natural revelation. That is, the awareness of nature must have, must have, a, it must have a first cause at some point. It must exist for some purpose. You can watch all the documentaries you want, and I commend many of them to you. You can be as big a fan of physics as you want to be, and I commend physics to you. Science will teach you the what's about our natural world, but it will not teach you the why's. God is the God of heaven and earth. You want to grow up? Thank God for being the creator God. Psalm 147 says that he determines the number of stars and he calls them all by name. Alpha Centauri. Plebis 132. Can't you just see God? Naming the stars, giving them each a name. 
And the same God who holds the world, the universe, in the palm of his hand, as massive as the universe is, he holds it in the palm of his hand. And the same one who created the stars, who named each of them, you know what he also knows? He knows the anxieties of your heart right now. And he loves you. Because God is not just the creator God. He's not just the one who made heaven and earth and everything in it. The one who's not served, as Acts 17 says, by human hands as though he needed anything because he himself gives life and breath to all things. Not only is he the creator God, but he's also the God who wants you to know him. I, I, was, I was talking to a gentleman this week and we started talking about physics because he's not a believer. Um, he actually thinks Christians are quite delusional because they like, intellectually turn their, they turn their brain off, he thinks, and they believe in this idea of a man raising from, rising from the dead. But as we begin to talk, he said, look, I've seen all these documentaries. I really, I really don't, um, I don't really get the emotionalism of Christianity because the science obviously suggests something very different. But as we began to talk, he said, you know, what I don't understand is I, I don't understand why ISIS wants to kill everybody. And we start talking about politics. And he said, I don't understand why the world continues to have some of the same problems we've had generation after generation after generation, even with the advancement of modern technology. And he came to the point where he said, look, I, even though I do treasure this idea of nature and survival of the fittest, and I love physics, um, I struggle over the presence of evil. And I wonder why that might possibly exist. And now, it was a great opportunity for me to just rest with him in that problem. And while I could have just said, well, let me tell you why evil exists, it's because of Jesus. I didn't do that yet. That came later in the conversation because I just wanted to say, you know that longing that you have to know why? That's what science can't tell you. And the reason why Christians go to church on Sunday is not because they turn their brains off. It's because they're in wonder at the same God who's created everything that he would love them so much that he would show himself to them. So the question of why that causes people to search who may not be in the church, that may live on your street and on my street, that question is a very healthy question to be asking. And God wants you to be asking that question if you're here and you're not a Christian. Because the psalmist provides for us the next step in the problem. If God is the Lord of heaven and earth, what else must also be true of him? Well, it says that God is a redeemer God who saves for himself a people. It's in the very same verse in verse 3. We are his people and the people, the sheep of his pasture. And that's, that's not just saying that God exists. That's saying that he has a people. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it says, they shall be my people and I will be my God. It's an oft-quoted phrase throughout the Old Testament. Almost 30 times you see this phrase, they shall be my people and I shall be their God. It was the banner that the Lord spoke over his covenant people. It wasn't just that he existed, but that he's revealing himself to a people. And the psalmist alludes to this as well. Verse 1, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. In his presence, there is fullness of joy, another psalm says in Psalm 116. And the language here in Psalm 100 is temple language. It's inviting people to come into the temple. It's saying that in the temple, there is fullness of joy for you and for me. Don't you want that? Blaise Pascal, the great French mathematician and physicist himself, said that every man seeks happiness. This is without exception. The one who goes off to the war and the one who stays in his house, even the man who hangs himself, pursues it for one purpose. That is his own happiness. And the psalmist says, come into the presence of the Lord with singing. Enter in the temple. Well, let us in. Don't you want to go in? And the Lord says, not so fast. Because you see, if you come into my house, you come into my house on my terms. You know how if somebody knocks on your front door, if you knock on your neighbor's front door, you don't just barge in. You ring the doorbell, and there's, there's a social etiquette that you go through in America. And then if you're invited in, then you come in. You don't just barge into somebody's house. At best, they would think you were very rude, and at worst, you get shot. It's, it's the same in the temple. Remember, the temple, friends, was made of concentric courtyards. And on the outside courtyard was the courtyard for the Gentiles, then the courtyard for the women, then the courtyard of Israel, then the courtyard for priests, and then the innermost courtyard was the Holy of Holies, where God himself was. And he invited his people to come in there only one time a year because he was a holy God. And so serious was he, and the people knew this, that on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice and intercede for the people of God, they would tie a rope around his ankle lest he be struck dead so they could pull the body out without having to go in. God invites you into his presence, but there is a major problem. You can't just barge in. You must come in with his terms. And his terms are holy terms. Perfection and holiness. And I don't, I don't qualify for that. Do you? Yet ever since the garden, we have tried, we have tried to pursue our happiness outside of the terms of God. And it has just made mankind more and more miserable the harder and harder that we've tried. In Genesis 3, verse 6, Eve saw that the fruit was a delight to the eyes. She pursued it for her pleasure. And she desired it. She was seeking her happiness outside of God's terms. And sin is seeking your happiness in anything outside of his terms. And we can't be gratified that way. We just simply can't. And you've tried it, I've tried it, and we run into dead ends. Yet, we can be thankful. We can be thankful. Why? The psalmist answers that in verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. 
The word here in Hebrew for steadfast love is the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed. It's this idea that you have a loyal, faithful, ever coming after you kind of love. It's a faithful love. There's a, there's a, um, there's a famous story that a sociology professor named Tony Campolo once told. He's also a pastor, and he was going to um, Hawaii to speak at a conference. And like many of you, when you go to Hawaii, you're jet-lagged, and he couldn't sleep. And so he gets out of his hotel room, and he walks down the street, and he finds a diner. And it's 3.30 in the morning, and it's an old greasy spoon kind of place. It's a, it was so dirty, it made him feel a little uncomfortable going there so late. But he goes up to the counter and he orders a donut and a cup of coffee. And the bartender comes out and gives him his coffee and a donut. And he's striking a conversation up with this bartender named Harry. And just as they're getting into their conversation, the door opens and in run eight ladies of the night. It was pretty obvious to Tony that these ladies were prostitutes. And they come around him at the counter, and they sit down with him, and they're cackling, and they're talking pretty loudly, and they're being really crude. And one of them says, well, tomorrow is my 39th birthday. And the other girls go, well, what do you want us to do, give you a birthday cake? And she says, well, I I just thought somebody might like to know. Well, we don't. And so they leave the diner, and Tony You know, he's had his cup of coffee now. There's no going back to sleep. He looks at the bartender and he says, do those girls come in here every night? He said, yeah, they do. Every every night about this time. He says, what about the girl who said it was her birthday tomorrow? Did she come in? Oh, yeah, that's Agnes. She's so sweet. I got an idea. Let's throw her a birthday party. And here he goes, Okay. I like it. And Harry goes and gets his wife, who's in the back baking, and brings her to the front. And Tony says, I'll go get a cake, and I'll bring decorations. And the wife says, no, 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 no. Nobody does anything nice for Agnes ever. I'm baking the cake. And so the next night comes, and Tony comes back into this diner, and he decorates this place. And evidently, the wife knows every prostitute in Honolulu because they're all there. And the place is packed full of women who are ladies of the night. And as he uh, uh, is, is uh, uh, getting things ready, they bring out this birthday cake that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. She comes in and everybody says, Happy Birthday! And they start singing Happy Birthday to this lady. And she just gets quaky knees and she's overwhelmed. And she goes to the birthday cake with these candles on it. And she sits before it for a long time before she actually blows the candles out. And finally, she blows them out, and then they hand her a knife, and they say, cut the cake. And she starts to cut the cake, and she, she stops, and she looks at Harry, the bartender, and she says, Harry, can I keep this cake? And he says, it's your birthday. You can do whatever you want to with it. And so she grabs the cake like it's the Holy Grail, and she runs out the door. And as she gets to the door, one of the girls who was with her the previous night says, Agnes, what are you doing? And she goes, don't you get it? Nobody's ever given me a birthday cake before. And she runs off to her apartment around the corner. And there's Tony Campolo and Harry and his wife and this room full of prostitutes. And it's definitely silent. And so what's a preacher to do when there's silence in the room? He prays. And sure enough, Agnes comes back in. 
and they have a great party and they celebrate it. And as they're cleaning up after the party, Harry is wiping down the counter with, with Tony sitting there. And he says, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church are you a pastor of? And Tony says without a moment's hesitation, I'm the kind of pastor at the kind of church that throws parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church like that? Listen, Jesus comes after people who are broken, and he throws a party for you. There's a picture in his wallet with your face on it, and he shows you off to all the people. He is overwhelmed by his love for you. He loves you. People look at God sometimes in this town, and they judge him by the quality of the lives of Christians around them. And they think, well, there's really no difference. But we have a God who is good. We have a God who isn't just exists. He's not just the redeemer of his people, but he is in himself goodness and righteousness. And the psalmist says that in, chapter, in verse 5. For the Lord is good. And that's worth giving thanks for, isn't it? So pastor in Chicago, I tell the story at our new members class that had a son who left the faith when it had nothing to do with his father, and he ran off and got into the wrong crowd and started smoking and doing drugs. And one night, late in the evening, this minister got a phone call, and it was the police station, and they said, Pastor, um, we found your son, we have him here, and um, you need to come get him. So the, the pastor... Um, gets dressed, and he gets in his car, and he drives down to the precinct, and he can't find his son. Well, so he, he assumes, okay, maybe I heard the, heard the wrong place. So he goes to the next precinct in Chicago, and his son's not there either. And then he drives out to the suburbs, and he looks at those police stations, and his son's not there either. And he's beside himself in worry at this point, not knowing where his son is. And there's only one more place that he can think of that his son might be. There's a drug house that his son hangs out at with the wrong crowd. Maybe that's where he is. So he pulls down the street and he parks this car before this house and he gets out and he walks up to the door and he sees that it's cracked open and he just sees people strewn out all over the living room. They're sleeping. There's dozens of people just asleep wherever they can find space. And he starts to step over these people. And he starts to look for his son, and he can't see his son anywhere. And he goes to the back bedroom, and he opens the door, and sure enough, there he is amidst other people sleeping, is his baby boy. Sleeping. And the father said, I was overcome with anger at my son for what he's done to our family and what he's done to his own life. And the pastor said he walked up to his son and he knelt down before his son, his little boy in his 20s, and he just kissed him. And then he quietly stepped over the bodies and he walked out and he drove home. Well, a couple of months later, this kid who wanted nothing to do with his family starts showing up around his house. And Thanksgiving comes like it is for us now, and he comes to Thanksgiving dinner, and they're sitting outside, and they're talking about life and football and things like that. And he says, so, I, I, you know, you're hanging around more. What's up with you? And the son says, Dad, don't you know? 
I don't have a clue about you. He says, that night that you got that phone call, that wasn't the police. Those were my friends because they knew that you would not come looking for me. And you came. And the moment we saw your headlights pull down that street, everybody in that house hit the deck. Nobody was sleeping. And I knew that you were just going to kick me and you were going to grab me by the scruff of the neck and you were going to pull me out of that house. And you knelt down next to me and you kissed me. I was not asleep. And that's what did it. Friends, your Savior, when he could justly send us away from himself forever, loves you. And while he's angry, the Father does not take out his wrath on you because Jesus Christ took the kick and gave you the kiss. The Father took all of his wrath out on his Son so that we, who deserve every bit of his wrath, might receive the kiss of his Father. Psalm 2 says, let us kiss the Son. Well, the Son actually kisses us. He loves us. And he comes to us, and he sings over us, I love you. You are not alone. Do you want to grow up? Hey, kids, we don't want you to grow up too fast. And adults, we don't want you to grow up too fast either in many ways. But spiritually, we need to grow up. And the most thankful people in the world ought to be people of the triune name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in proportion to your gratitude is the proportion of your joy and of your happiness. So if you have a talent, spend it in gratitude for the glory of God. If you have time, give your time away for the glory of your Savior. If you have money, study after study has shown us That money actually can buy you happiness if you spend it in the right way. Giving it away. Study after study has shown that by giving away money, actually you become happier. So the old adage that you can't buy happiness, that's actually false. You can't buy a toy to make you happy, but by giving it away across generations and across cultures, it has been shown to be true that people who give their money away actually are happier people. We have so much to be thankful for. Our talents, our time, our treasure. Our God never changes. Every good gift comes from above from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What is the one thing that makes you distinct as a Christian? There's an old Puritan named Thomas Watson who asks that question. You can fast, so can the devil. In fact, he never eats. You can memorize Scripture. Well, Satan assents to Scripture. He knows it. He says that you can believe, well, they also tremble, James 2.19. The work of Christians must be principally that of thanksgiving. 
And that is the soil from which every other fruit of their life grows. Thankful that they have been given much. The devils blaspheme, but you bless. Can we bless God this week? When you bless God, you don't give God something that he doesn't already have. You bless God not the way a sponge is blessed by the Pacific Ocean that just takes in the water and becomes full. That's the way we're blessed by God. But we bless God the way a mirror reflects the sun. You show his light to cast away the shadowlands. That's what we've been called to do in Owasso. So you want to grow up this Thanksgiving? Be thankful. Let's pray. Father, you have given us every reason to be thankful. You exist. You are God and you are good. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to walk in humble gratitude because while we deserved your wrath, you gave us your fellowship and you draw us in to remind us of your love for sinners like me and like each of us. Hallelujah. Amen.